Turn into your scriptures to Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8. We're continuing our, our study through the book of Luke. Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Uh, as you guys turn there, I did want to uh, share a bit of news. As, as most of you have, uh, have already heard, that Buddy McCarter passed away uh, this past week. We want to uh, thank them. Uh, just what a wonderful service. Thank you so much for those who attended uh, this past Thursday. I want to especially welcome uh, Buddy's daughter and his sisters here. Uh, it was absolutely a joy to have you guys here. Uh, Buddy's going to be sorely missed. He was deeply loved uh, in this congregation. Uh, we'll turn in your word to Luke chapter 8. Verse 40, uh, we'll read there to the end of the chapter. We'll pray and then we'll dig into God's word. I hear the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 8, verse 40. Now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And they came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue, and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only, he had only, only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, master, the crowds surround you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him. Now she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, Your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. But Jesus, on hearing this, answered him, Do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, Do not weep, for she is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, He called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed. But he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Gracious God, you are so good. You are so powerful and strong and mighty. God, we bow before your holy presence now, God. We exalt your holy and righteous name. Father, we come with sin of this past week. God, when we beg you for your forgiveness, God, you say in your word that he who confesses his sins, that you will be faithful and just, and you will cleanse us of all our sins and all our unrighteousness. So God, we pray that now, Father. We have not loved you with our whole heart this past week. We have been timid and afraid. God, forgive us, Lord. Lord, we also just uh, pray for your gospel um, to continue to expand uh, in our city. God, we pray for the upcoming outreach with Mission Rock Hill to those teachers who would receive supplies and, and the gospel message. 
God, we pray now that even, even today that their hearts would be softened, Lord, that things would happen in their life as those who receive those supplies would uh, be able to hear and believe in the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that their sins may be forgiven in Christ. God, be gracious and kind to them. God, we also pray that your gospel would go forth from other churches in this city. We pray specifically this morning for Ray Long at Union Baptist Church. God, we pray that you anoint Brother Ray with the preaching of your word. God, we pray that the Holy Spirit would, would speak through him, Father. We pray that you continue to show them uh, revival in, that, in their midst, God, that people would be called to repentance and they would believe in the, in, in the gospel of the Lord Christ. Father, we do um, continue to ask that you would be with the McCarter family as they grieve the loss of Buddy. God, he, would be, he will be sorely missed. What a joy he was uh, in our presence, Father. God, continue to surround that family uh, with the Spirit of God. Uh, let them know that you will never leave them and never forsake them. God, we also ask for prayer for our dear brother uh, Dave Thomas. Lord, we pray that you continue to heal him. Lord, uh, continue to give the doctors wisdom as they provide the best care for him. And now, God, we look to our own hearts. God, we, we want to hear from you, Lord. Lord, your word goes forth and your word brings life. So God, I pray against distractions. I pray against um, worry and concern. God, I pray now that we would just fix our attention on the word of God. God, I pray that I would decrease, that you may increase. God, exalt your holy name. Exalt your word above all. God, we pray that the people here would come to Jesus. We need you now, Lord. So, Father, we ask graciously and kindly that you would meet us by your Spirit, through your Word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, William Cowper uh, was the author of several hymns. He struggled early on in his childhood. He was the fourth son born to a British clergyman. Before he was born, his parents lost three siblings, and after his birth, tragically, his mother died. He would later go to a boarding school where he was ruthlessly bullied. Although he wrote tremendous hymns, um, it didn't start there. Uh, his, his father wanted to encourage him to, to move towards law enforcement, or towards the law, rather, uh, and when he was 28, he, had to, uh, he was appointed uh, to be the clerk of journals in the parliament. So he had to go before the, the parliament, uh, much like someone has to go in front of our Congress today and be barraged with questions. Well, because of his upbringing, uh, he, the thought of standing before parliament made him incredibly anxious and afraid. He thought there was no way that he could stand before those people. Uh, so overcome with anxiety and grief, he felt rejected by God. He felt that he was forgotten. He had no hope. He had a breakdown and was committed to a hospital. He was in a desperate situation. He felt all alone, hopeless. Have you ever felt hopeless, alone, Life seems so overwhelming that you don't think that life would get better at all. Well, where do you turn? 
or whom should you turn? Now, many in our country struggle with uh, depression, inward depression and bitterness towards God and others. Some people try to pacify that, that pain inside, that hopeless feeling through drugs or alcohol or entertainment. So we can watch TV at the end of the night and just wash our cares away. Or recently, in our, in our country, we have people turning to the government for salvation. So you see the Occupy movement and the 99% rising up asking for the government for salvation. Now, we all want salvation. The question is, where will we turn? And as you could guess where I'm going this morning, I pray that you would come to Jesus. What you see in this passage, you see when those people who are desperate, alone, hopeless, they go to Jesus. So if you want to follow along in the bulletin provided for you, turn in the back and we're going to walk through four reasons to come to Jesus. Four reasons to come to Jesus. The first, we want to come to Jesus for He responds to our futility. We want to come to Jesus because He responds to our futility. Right there at the beginning, in verse 40, you see that we see two people in desperate situations. Verse 40, now when Jesus returned, the crowd welcomed Him, and they were waiting for Him. In verse 41, and there came a man named Jairus, who was a ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. This wealthy, prominent religious leader, Jairus, the ruler of the synagogue, was in a desperate situation. He came to Jesus. His daughter was as good as dead. All his efforts, all the efforts of the people around him were useless, futile. That's a scary thing for a parent, to see your dear child dying before your eyes and feeling utterly helpless. I'm a father. I have three beautiful children, and my dear Elizabeth, um, when she was about three years old, I was at a conference in D.C., uh, at, at a church conference, and I got a call from my wife, and she was just sobbing. She says, Dave, something's wrong with Elizabeth. Something's wrong with Elizabeth. She, she, she's not talking. She woke up slurring her, her speech. I, I got to take her to the hospital right now. So my wife barely could drive to the hospital because she was crying so hard with Elizabeth in the back seat. Um, and I get this call, and I'm, I'm, in, I'm, at, I'm at this conference, and I don't know what to do. I am helpless Right? I'm on the steps of this church in Washington, D.C., sobbing, God, help my little girl. Help my little girl. I don't know what's wrong. Help my little girl. For three hours, I had no idea if my daughter was going to be okay. So immediately we left and we're driving down. I'm just sobbing, God, be with my little girl. God, be with my little girl. So I can relate to this man. I can relate to seeing your daughter, not knowing what's going to happen, and just this, this heart cry, God, help me. I am hopeless. My daughter's fine. She's here today. Uh, she had a febrile seizure. Uh, we didn't know what they were at the time, uh, but it was scary. It was utterly terrifying. One thing that we know, beloved, is that death and disease do not discriminate. It doesn't matter if you are wealthy or you are poor. Death and disease come for us all. 
But this ruler of the synagogue, you could imagine how hard it was for him to come to Jesus. Now, the ruler of the synagogue was most likely a Pharisee. Now, we, as we've read through Luke's gospel, have the Pharisees had a, had a good relationship with the Lord Jesus? No, they haven't, right? So for this man to come to Jesus, you know that he had to be absolutely desperate. And just look how he came, falling at Jesus' feet. This is a sign of worship, the sign of I need you. He implored him, emphatically begging him for his help of his 12-year-old daughter. Isn't it interesting, when you are in desperate situations, how all pretense goes out the window? Typically, there's a certain way you approach a religious leader, but when you're in desperate, a desperate situation, desperate time calls for desperate measures, he, he falls on his face begging Jesus to come. And what happened? You see the end of, middle of verse 42, Jesus went. See, sometimes the Lord allows situations of hopelessness to enter our life. Why? So that we would run to him. There is no doubt that this ruler of the synagogue, this Pharisee, Jairus, he would have never come to Jesus unless he was put in a situation of utter hopelessness. Sometimes the Lord allows you to go through situations when you feel hopeless. When you go to doctor after doctor after doctor and not know what's wrong. When you lose someone who is utterly close to you. Sometimes the Lord allows that to happen so you would run to him. We see the same thing from the woman. Verse 43, And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. All of her living, all her wealth given to physicians, and they could not heal her. So what did they do? They came to Jesus. Beloved, can I just urge you today, if you are feeling hopeless, if you are feeling alone, go to Jesus. He is the one who will get you through whatever you're dealing with. Jesus is our, our hope. But the story continues. So as we turn looking at this, this woman and how Jesus responds, we also want to just keep this man in his mind. Right, because that's the whole picture. The picture is this man begging Jesus, so the, the, the crowd moves, going to Jairus' house to heal his daughter. Second point, we want to come to Jesus, for he receives our faith. Come to Jesus, for he receives our faith. So the, the, the story kind of turns. It, it goes away from Jairus, and it kind of turns towards this woman. And it says that she suffered for 12 years. She was under many physicians, but no one could heal her. Now, with what she had, we, we know from Leviticus chapter 15 that she was pictured as ceremonially unclean. So she was not allowed to enter in to worship. But this only happened for the last 12 years. So she knew what it, what it felt like to have relationships with people. She knew what it felt like to be able to worship in, in the temple with the people of God. She felt that. Then all of a sudden, something happened in her life where she was outcast. You are no longer allowed to enter into the people of God, enter in to worship. She was unclean. Now, in that day, it was unheard of for her to enter and approach a religious leader because if she was uh, classified as unclean, 
everyone she touched would also become unclean. But she was desperate. She lost everything. And she says in verse 44, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? And everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, look at all the people crowding around you, pressing in. We don't know who touched you. Can we move on? But Jesus said in verse 46, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Now, I don't know the situation here. Jesus may have knew it all along. He may have asked this question to try to get the woman to come forward. You know, we don't know how Jesus felt, but we know that because of his humanity, uh, being both fully God and fully man, in his humanity, there were certain things that were limit, limited, right? That he chose not to access his full power uh, as God. So this woman now becomes terrified. Verse 47, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. Now, why was she afraid? She was afraid because she was going to be found out that she was afraid that the people around her think that they were going to be unclean, that Jesus himself would have been, become unclean, this rabbi, this great teacher. And what do we see? We see the same thing that happened with Jairus, this woman falling down before him. She declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him. She, she started going into a story. You can imagine her talking about the 12 years and the, and the pain and losing all her, her savings and trying to get well. Then all of a sudden, I touched Jesus, the fringe of his garment, and I was made well. You can imagine the story taking a long time. And then notice how it ends here. And how she had immediately been healed in verse 48. And he said, Jesus, to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. See, when we come to Jesus in faith, we become part of his family. Did you notice that? Daughter, your faith has made you well. It was a faith in Jesus. Jesus alone. All I need to do is touch the fringe of his garment and I will be made well. She came knowing that Jesus had the power to heal her. Beloved, you know my heart. Can I just tell you again and again is that when, we, when God calls us to himself, he calls us to a people. He makes us a family, one with him. Sons and daughters, mothers and fathers, that's the gift of the church. Right? We, we love each other as brother and sister, mother and father, son and daughter. I love that picture. But when, when, when daughter was said, you can imagine what the man was thinking. He heard, daughter, your faith has made you well. And Jairus, moving along with the crowd, can only imagine, daughter, what about my daughter? You, you said you were going to go with me to make my daughter well, and you can imagine this scene, this this, this chaos that, that, that then ensues, this woman tells her story, and you could just probably see Jairus. I mean, I'm not sure if they had watches back then, but maybe checking the clock and the sundial, right? What about my daughter? Well, then we see the third point. We want to come to Jesus, for he repels our fear. He repels our 
fear. So this man hears daughter and he's thinking about his dear daughter who's, who's dying. In verse 49, while he was still speaking, someone from the ruler's house came and said, your daughter is dead. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. At that moment, his worst fears are realized. His daughter is dead. I mean, as Jesus has agreed to come and and heal my daughter, this, this journey started with so much hope and promise. And yet, my daughter's dead. Now, how many of us have started our walk with, with the Lord, or some of you, that, who, who you may know, who have started their walk with the Lord, and it started out with great joy and this excitement that hope was going to happen, and then trouble comes. And what happens to people? They fall away from God. It turns back to fear and anxiety. Hopeless. See, and that's exactly where Jesus is speaking, right? See, this man came to Jesus right there at the beginning, verse 41, and then they came, a man, he came, this woman came. So this man came for healing. But Jesus was going to ask him to believe in much more than just a healing. He needed to believe in resurrection. Just like he asks us. We see in 1 John chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. There is no faith in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. Whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. See, fear is future related. Fear of the unknown. What will happen? When the Lord uh, speaks to us, we, we, we put our trust and our hope in Him. And we all know that one of our greatest fears in this life is death. As I mentioned it before, it does not discriminate. It faces us all. But perfect love, the perfect love that God has given us in Christ, cast out that fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. But those of us who have come to Christ, what has already happened? Christ has already taken our punishment. Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, and died a sinner's death. He took the punishment, the wrath of God upon himself. Therefore, anyone who would turn to him would be free, would be freely forgiven of all their sins. God demonstrated his love for us, his enemies, by dying on our behalf. We have, beloved, no fear of punishment. Because Jesus has taken our punishment. Well, lastly, we close with this. We want to come to Jesus because he redefines our future. We redefine, he redefines our future. Pick up the story with me in verse 51. And when he came to the house, so the, 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 this caravan continues to go to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the mother and the father of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. Now, at that, in, the, in that day when there was a funeral, uh, they would hire mourners, professional mourners who would come and they would wail and weep uh, for uh, the, the deceased. That's what's happening here. They're weeping and wailing. And Jesus steps right in there and says, Do not weep, for she is not dead, 
but sleeping. What's people's response? They laughed. They laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. In verse 54, and taking her by the hand, he called, saying, Child, arise. The word child there is, is, a, is a term of endearment, like honey, sweetie, little lamb, arise. In verse 55, her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. This picture of this little girl was written for us. It was written to us to know that God has promised us a resurrection, that we are all going to die. But those of us in Christ who have heard the Lord Jesus say, my child, my dear one, arise. The reason why I had uh, Jeff read Ezekiel 37 is because that is the picture of how God brings life. There's this valley of dry bones, and the Lord speaks his word, and life happens. This is why, as a Baptist church, we make the preaching of God's word central to our services. Since the Protestant Reformation in 1517, the word of God has stood strong in Protestant churches. The reason is, is because we believe that God brings life. God and God alone brings life through his word. So when Jesus said, child, arise, you notice the very next thing, and her spirit returned. That's exactly what happens when we come to Christ. We hear the word of God and the spirit, the spirit of God awakens inside our hearts. He takes our heart that is of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh. And that's not our doing, beloved. That is the work of God. Because notice, this child is dead. She doesn't reach out for Jesus. She doesn't call out to him. Jesus had to call out to her. This is why we believe in the preaching of God's word. Those who come into our midst, you're not saved um, by your, your, your coming. You're saved because the Spirit of God has infiltrated your heart and is calling you to himself. So when you're in a church service and you hear the word of God being preached, you start feeling conviction. You start to feel a, a heaviness in your heart over sin. That's the, the Holy Spirit calling you to himself, saying, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. That's why it says he exalts his name and his word above everything to call you to himself. That's what he's doing. And beloved, let's just be honest. We were in a desperate and hopeless situation in our sin. Our sin left to itself would send us to hell. But God in his grace sent the Lord Jesus to die in our place, that everyone who would turn and trust in him would be saved. Amen. Well, I mentioned William Cowper at the beginning. I'll close with this. Uh, in his desperate situation, after his, his mental breakdown, he heard these words from Romans chapter 3, verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he has passed over former sins, it was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier 
of the one who has believed, who has had faith in Jesus. William Cowper came to Christ. He put his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when he came to Christ, did his fears and depression stop? No, they didn't. When you come to Christ, all your problems do not go away. But you have one who fights with you, who will never leave you or forsake you. Although he continued to struggle, he knew there was hope. There was hope for his desperation. He had the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he wrote, he wrote the song that we're about to sing. There is a fountain, which ends in these words. Then in a nobler, sweeter song, I'll sing thy power to save. When this poor, lispering, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave, I'll sing a nobler, sweeter song. Still that power to save. I pray as we sing this song and we sing um, There is a Fountain, I pray that if you are here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, or if you are in a desperate situation, a hopeless situation, that you would come to Jesus. Come to Jesus for life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you are in charge of our future. Father, we pray that we would not fear death, but that we would come to you for life. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.